I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning. Hit me with it. Come on. How smart can you be when you have huge mantids? Okay, he, him. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this. It's just common sense. Good morning, Ox. How you doing? Good morning. Uh, same as always. I just do. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a moods. I just am. I exist. So for those who have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, could you just give a really brief overview of what you talk about and what you do? Oh, Lord. Probably the biggest nerd on earth when it comes to fitness and the human body and the mechanisms of how the human body functions and basically just how to add muscle mass. And I would say like how we can look as good as we can, which is part of it, but really it's the fundamental understanding that you can optimize your body to live in a state where like life's just kind of easy. You have an edge on everyone. So mm -hmm. I, I, just put out content and all that. I don't like to put myself in this box of like, oh, I'm a content creator. I don't ever refer to myself as like, oh, I'm a fitness influencer or like blah, blah. It's like my goal is just to get a mastery level understanding of like just the physiology of the human body. That makes a lot of sense to me too. Um, the way I, when I read your stuff, I think about it as like, I'm building my super suit. Like I'm building my Iron Man. And I never thought about it that way. I always thought you were kind of given what you got when you were born, but past couple of years, I've learned it's really up to you and you can design it as much as you want. That's how I like to think about it because like, it, I don't really, this is actually a good medium to communicate this because it's hard to do it in writing and it's hard to like put it in tweets, especially your body is so malleable. Mm -hmm. And there's like, if you're in a, like, for example, if you're in a bad mood and there, there's just things going on with your body, if you're just consistently waking up unmotivated, depressed, like all that, like there's probably something, some input. That's how mm -hmm. you look at it. It's the inputs that you put into your body or even the outputs of moving your body and doing stuff. But there, there's something you can do. There's, there's a root cause that is typically rooted in your physiology. And you can actually manipulate that to where it's like, okay, cool. Like I, my, my sleep schedule can be pretty crazy at times because I just refuse to get less than seven, eight hours of sleep. Because the work I do, it's not on a schedule. So why would I, you know, get four or five hours of sleep to wake up at some arbitrary time, which I do like being on a schedule. Like most days, 80% of the time I'm on a schedule. But if I'm going to get four hours of sleep and I'm going to have 50% or less of the creative output and the productive output, why would I do that? When I'm not really on a press time schedule, it's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to sleep in a little today. I'll fix that in a day or two. I'm not going to get as much done today. It's going to be more or less a wasted day, but you, yeah, it's like a super suit. And it's not just about, okay, cool. I just want to have abs and look good. It's like, yeah, that's part of it, but that's, that's like, it's like 10% of it. You know, mm -hmm. it's about building the super suit that will get you through life and be able to do all the things you want to do and not decay as a lot of people tend to do when they live very sedentary Western lifestyles because a lot of people are stuck on a nine to five maybe even eight to seven schedule those crazy hours like an investment banker do you tell them to go to the gym if it cuts into their sleep like what would you tell them to do 
there's a point where you just have to do what you have to do. So I'm like, I'm a key example there because I didn't always, it wasn't always like this because it used to be, I used to have the craziest schedules. Wake up at six, even earlier than six, maybe wake up. Well, I never woke up at six. I always woke up around five. Some days even earlier, some days waking up at 3.30 because we had to be ready to go and drive out to a range and go do stuff, go do a training event at six. So you, and you got to get there at least an hour early to have your gear ready. And then you, you go out and you're there at your range doing a, a training event, squad live fire, company live fire, whatever. And you're out there till 3 a.m. So you're, you're awake. And that's, that's on a good day. Sometimes you're awake well over 24 hours. But then it's like, yeah, how do you balance that? And that's extreme. Most people aren't going to have to do that. When you can control it, having that schedule. When, you, when, you're, when life forces a schedule on you, like, hey, between these hours, do you have to be here? You have to be doing that. That's what it really gets. And I actually just wrote about this in my last Substack. It's a um, lifestyle design. How do you design your lifestyle in a sense that like everything is synergistic? So if you're a person that likes to, you have a Netflix show you like to watch. A lot of people talk crap about Netflix. If I didn't have the flexibility of my schedule, like, hey, it might come down to, okay, there's intangibles. There's things you need to do to, to accomplish your goals, to move the needle, right? Right. So- why not start combining activities? Why not start manipulating your day to where it makes sense? An easy thing I used to do was my lunch break. I would eat at work. No one cared. So I, at lunch, I'd go to the gym and then I would just eat at the office. No one cared. Like, mm-hmm. no, like, oh, what, you can't do that. You had a lunch break. Like I, I'd sit there, I'm working, I'm eating. But I would go to the gym at lunch. Like that just made sense. Or even on rest days, we'd go do jujitsu at lunch. Like that's just what we did. So then I'm not really cutting into any other time I'm just taking time I had and manipulating it or like for me I always tell people like your cardio if you schedule or if you have trouble scheduling your cardio, do it before work and then also watch how your work is going to it's going to increase your work because you're going to be more cognitive better mood and all that mm-hmm. so it's like about finding those those activities that you can one combine or that you can use that can enhance another activity just finding that because you can really get into a flow. It's almost easier if you do have the set schedule, not easier, but you can force yourself into these flows where your day is just kind of blending together. And for some people that sounds like a nightmare, it's only a nightmare if you're doing things you don't want to do. If you're actually getting ahead, it's really fun to be in that flow. It's not like your days are just skipping by you. It's like, okay, every day is meaningful, jam-packed. Like I'm going to bed, I'm, I'm exhausted. It's one of those where optimize your lifestyle as much as you can to where you're not running into that issue. But then that's whenever it's like, okay, maybe three days a week is all you work out because it's all you need. And if it cuts into your sleep, it cuts into your sleep. But those other four days of the week, get as much sleep as you can. It's just, you gotta, you gotta figure out what works for you. I guess at the base of this question is you have to really, and most people just kind of let life dictate what they're going to do. And they never actually like design a lifestyle that they they put thought into they're like you know what i could move this around here and that makes more sense Mm -hmm. so in long not in short that's that's kind of my approach to it no that makes a ton of sense and i think understanding yourself is really important like i'm a morning person we were just talking about this so i reserve the first part of my day devoted to my side ventures because that's when my brain is firing the best And I'd rather have that brain power for something for me rather than for my job. 
And then I just kind of do the mundane tasks of my job throughout the day. And I know that I've dedicated the most brain power that I have to something that's really benefiting me. Um, but that's me because I'm a morning person. You just hit a nail, a really important nail on the head right there. That is how I, like when I was working, that is how I thought about everything was, okay. And this is like, some people be like, that's wrong. You should give your job all you have. Well, they will literally cut you. Mm -hmm. They will, they'll say, Hey, we're all a big family, but 20% of you uh, don't have a job anymore. So we're actually kicking you out of the family. Um, you know, so, um, like who, who do you prioritize? Do you prioritize, you know, these people that cut your checks that you're reliant on, or do you choose yourself, you know? And so I used to think about that a lot. It's like, okay, how do I preserve? Cause energy is so finite. It is in people that are going to become business owners, those side hustles scale and they actually work on them full time. You're really going to learn this aspect of like, okay, I really have finite energy, mm -hmm. especially initial little motivation goes away and you're running on willpower. It's like, okay, um, I'm actually way more tired and I can get way less done in a day. I overestimated what I can get done. And it's that preservation of energy for the tasks that actually matter for you. And so if you can get by and you can be a good performer at work, giving 50%, because if you're intelligent, like your 50% is like, for better or worse, a lot of normies, 100%. So it's like, okay, give 50% there. And then 100% in the gym, 100% on your side hustle. That's, that's a really important thing. A lot of people, I know a lot of really good people that burn out at their jobs and they're like, oh, I don't have the energy for the gym. I don't have the energy to start a business. It's like, yeah, because you're choosing someone over yourself. Same, those are the same people that you hear, you know, oh, I worked there. I gave them so many years of my life. How could they just let me go? It's those same people. It's like, well, this wouldn't have been a problem if you did just at some point choose yourself. Totally. And I think, um, this is something that sales guy would say, it gives you better frame when you're at your nine to five, because it, it doesn't bother me as much. I don't sweat the small stuff. And that shows when I present or that shows in my communication with like my bosses, it's a little bit of a frame angle. And like, I don't need to go to the happy hours. What's common or doing? Why isn't she at the happy hour? Like kind of like a different level when you're just not begging for every small grain of praise, it just makes it so much better. Ironically, you do better too. Yeah. When I become outcome independent, you, you do better because you're just, you're done. It's funny how it's kind of like Bull says too. When you don't need something or even necessarily care about it, the universe just gives it to you. So, especially if you're like in a sales shop and you stop caring, well, now you're not really reacting emotionally to like a rejection. So now you can just work through that better. And at a job, like, okay, you don't really care. You, you're less stressed. So you're actually getting better outputs, even mm -hmm. though you're like mentally 50% less there. And it's just funny. I, I've always found that fascinating because it works like that with everything. Even my writing, if I'm getting overly neurotic and I'm like, oh God, this has to be the perfect article, blah, blah, mm -hmm. this just like okay cool i need to get this out whatever fuck it that's when it ends up like oh dang this was really good <laughs> you'll analyze yourself to death into a paralysis and whenever you kind of just step back you're like i'm i don't care that's when you actually do something good 
no, I, t I really, really relate to that. Like when I'm making videos, I used to really like spend so much time on the script or so much time on the editing. And then I went for quicker, get them out more often, 80%. And they were doing better, not only because they were more consistent, but just, it just worked better. Like I was more get to the point. And the reason why I joined the jungle is because my dad worked for this company for 20 years and they were going to mandate the booster on him. And he was like, he had a really bad reaction to the vaccine. He's like, I can't take this, but I've worked here for 25 years. I can't get a new job at 60 years old. And that was the thing that flipped in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. Freedom's a funny concept, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's nuanced. It's not just, you can say no, you can decide what you do. You can't. And that's, we could go as deep into this as we want or not, but I'll leave it open for implication. There's a lot of people that will just do their jobs and, oh, they would never do that. They would never do that. They're normal people too. Well, I'll use the military as an example, and then we can imply where we want to. I know a lot of guys like me, built very similar to me. Well, I had, fortunately, whenever the mandates and everything were coming out, my little side hustles had taken off. I, they were actually making way more than I was making at work. Mm -hmm. so, for me, it was easy. I don't want to do this. You're not going to tell me I'm doing something. I don't think I need this. I've already had the damn thing. Like, whatever. I, I just, it wasn't that bad. It just like, I had brain fog and I couldn't work. That was the worst part of it. So I just, I'm not really afraid of this. So no, I'm not going to get it. I have so many guys that were on the same thought process as me. Most, not, not some, most. Mm -hmm. And they got it. Why? Well, they have a pension. 20 years, they get a pension. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've never had another job. They don't have degrees. They don't have outside skills other than, because I don't, I don't know if you know this, but like killing people is not really a transferable skill. It's very tougher. Like, like, hey, I'm really good at building explosives, uh, clearing rooms and doing all that. Congratulations, you are uh, unemployable. So for a lot of those guys, even though they were so vehemently against it, like 90% of the guys got it. And none of them wanted it. I would even venture to say almost none, but like those guys, why'd they get it? Well, they were told, Hey, like at a point they were like, Hey, this is optional. You might get kicked out, but it's optional, but you'll get an honorable discharge, keep your benefits, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, what about the other outside factors here? They need an income to provide for their family. They're going to lose their pensions and all that. So sure. You can say no to things, but there's, the modern world we live in, there's like demands imposed on us that kind of make you realize this concept of freedom is not really as uh, robust as we like to generalize it as. Totally. If you're not financially independent, you are not free. And it's like, and especially in economic times like this, it's like, oh, you're letting people go. Oh, like you just get trapped. It's really hard. Again, why you have to choose yourself because it's really hard. I completely agree. And when you're working those more intensive jobs, you come home and the only thing you want to do is watch Netflix, as you were saying, which is a natural thing to do. But then you're never going to claw yourself out of the, the rat race if you don't take the time for yourself. You're going to be stuck on that wheel forever. Um, something that I think Al tweeted the past week that I thought was really interesting. He was like, people are so scared to start a business or it's so hard to start a business. 
you went to school for four years and it took you another two or three years on top of that to make 200 grand a year as a banker. In six years, you can't start a business that does that. The way we think about it has been trained so wrongly. It comes down to like comfort. I talk about this all the time because like, I'm not going to act like I have all the answers. I'm still so young, but I have a lot of experience and everything I found comes down to your ability to push through comfort because most people like you said like it's not easy I know it's not easy to go work a full day a hard day and then okay cool now I have a business to run and that's what Bowtie Bull says can you give three years of like just soul-crushing work like it is not fun it is so not fun I don't really like to glorify like the grind and all that like you have to do it but it is soul crushing. You're going to be miserable, like just flat out. You're going to be miserable. I don't, I'm even working in fitness. I love fitness, mm-hmm. getting all started and everything. It's miserable. Mm-hmm. So bad. You're it's, you're working, especially if you have a job, you're working 12 hours a day. And then on the weekends, you know, your little retreat back into comfort. You don't get that anymore. Mm-hmm. Nope. You don't get to recharge. No. On the weekend, you have to be going harder because those are, you know, if you want to look at it as 16 hours awake, sleeping eight hours, that's 32 hours. It's almost a full work day that you have to yourself. No one's telling you to do anything. You don't get, you know, oh, cool. I'll work on it an hour here, an hour there, and then be sporadic with it because it's it's like the gym. Building a business is all about consistency, and it's the same principles of the gym. Can you put an intensity in can you apply the proper intensity with the consistency to actually build something? And that's where it gets really, really hard because it's so easy because you don't need to do it. You already have an income and it's so much easier to be like, you know, I'm good today. I don't really need to work. I worked hard at work. Things are going well. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to drink a little bit tonight. I'm going to have a bottle of wine and watch Netflix. Like, yeah, you can, but then when when rough times come you have to look back at yourself and be like huh did I do everything I could have done to avoid this mm-hmm. and a lot of people can't come to the um, realization that like okay maybe I'm my own worst enemy here maybe I'm the one that didn't allow me why didn't I that those regrets why didn't I start the business why didn't I work as hard why wasn't it successful and most of the time you're going to look back and be like oh it was me it was me I chose comfort and everything I found is is in life comes down to how much discomfort can you take? Mm. And the best, they can take a lot. They can just live in it. When you get to a certain point in your routine where like there's two or three hours a day baked in where you're doing this instead of Netflix, it's a switch in your head that cannot be unflipped. Like I can't sit here and watch The Real Housewives for two hours like I used to. It would bother me now. I'm like, this is not the best use of my time. I can watch a really good movie, but I can't watch my friends play FIFA for three hours on a Friday night. Like, I do not want to do that with my free time. If I go, I took um, like September to early October off. I had everything pretty much automated. I had already written my post and all that. And I was like, yeah, I've just, it's been over a year of like nonstop, like 12 hour days. I got depressed, like actually depressed. I was like, I would just like sit there, like walk around the city, find new things to do everything and all that. And like, I would say probably 
a weekend, I was like, I, I forced myself to take this time off because that's important too. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine like choosing to do something instead of the gym. I already know if I take, like, even if I deload and I take a week or two off the gym, towards the end of that, I'm like, okay, my body's starting to hurt. Like I'm getting aches and pains, which you'd think would be the opposite. It's like, oh, I'm starting to get weird aches and pains. Like my back's starting to hurt. Um, my mood, I don't have energy. Like what's, what's going on? And then you go back to the gym and instantly it's like, okay, oh, I feel good again. You really don't realize when you're dialed in how good you feel. You really don't know. You take it for granted. You're like, you notice that when you start lifting, you're like, oh, cool. Like I feel good. And then you get used to it you reach homeostasis and you don't realize it until you stop. It's the same thing with business. Like it's fun and exciting at first and you're so fulfilled. Then you get used to it. Then you take, you know, a little bit time off of it and you're like, because I, I, I have a really weird, like philosophical belief on the, on, on the world. And it's that like, you're going to suffer no matter what like life is just kind of hard it's stressful like the human brain hasn't adapted to modern life and like this idea that we need to be working all the time and accomplishing and all that and we're not used to like modern technology and all that so it's really easy just to get stressed out like mm. like emails things like stupid things like emails like doing as far writing for god's sakes for me whatever it's like oh this is stressful and it's like if you really deductively break it down you're like this is not hard like you're, you're doing something you like, it's easy, but it still stresses you out, right? So it's like, and then also, like you said, if you're just going to sit there around and watch Netflix and all that, but you know you should be working on something, that's also stressful. Mm. You can't, you, you're just like, it's existence. You, you can only like numb existence and numb things and escape them so much. And it's almost like you put more effort into escaping and it's even more stressful than actually just doing whatever, whatever mm -hmm. you need to do. And so like, I've got, I've kind of in my own life philosophy, like just kind of figured out that it's like everything is going, and I don't have a pessimist. I'm the most happy person to me, but <laughs> everything's going to suck. Life is, it's, it's struggle. Life is a struggle. So why not make your struggle worthwhile versus working so hard to avoid that struggle that you're just bringing on more pain in the first place. Totally. And I think I will find something to worry about, something to fixate on, something to stress about. And the only things that cure my stress are exercising and accomplishment, knocking things off the list, producing something, the only way to relax. That's like the real dopamine too. Like, sure. Like video games, they give a little bit of a dopamine uh, I hate to use the word hit because that's not how it works in the brain, but that's the easiest way for people to understand it. It's like, yeah, video games are going to give you a dopamine hit. Watching Netflix is going to give you a little dopamine hit. Doing things, drinking is literally going to flood your brain with neurotransmitters and things like that. They feel good. But nothing compares to having like a huge day in business, closing a huge deal. For me, like writing a really nice post that I know is good, I release it and I'm like, yep, this is good. And then immediately feedback's like, yep, this was good. Like <laughs> nothing, nothing compares to that. Cause that's like, that's, that's actually the way your dopamine network and your brain's supposed to work is that you grind out, struggle on something, release it, and then it's good and you get feedback that it's good and all that. And then that floods you with dopamine. And you're like, wow, that doesn't, you can't even compare that to sitting there and play a video game. Like, except for winning a game in Call of Duty Warzone. 
<laughs> that, that's a huge, that's a dopamine hit right there. That's, that's, a, <laughs> but, but like the creation, going to the gym, being productive, getting ahead, being better than you were yesterday, that ends up becoming a drug. I love that drug. That's my favorite drug on earth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jordan Peterson is canceled or not. I'm not up with it, but something he would say when asked, you know, what is the crisis that men are facing today? Why do men feel so purposeless and women too, but mainly men. And his recommendation to them was go find the heaviest load you can and lift it. Add responsibility to your life. That's how you get out of this depressive rut because human beings, we're tinkerers, we're, we're problem solvers. And when you have no problems to solve all day long, you're just surrounded by comfort. As you were saying, no wonder you're depressed. You're not filling that part of yourself that you were designed to do. See, people think, most people think that they'll win the lottery or whatever, because most people think that's how they're going to get rich. Right. It's kind of sad to think about. Most normies think the way they're going to get rich is the lottery. And then their idealistic life when they win the lottery is nothing. It's doing nothing. Like you'll end up depressed, really, really, really depressed because you soon learn that like I not like I don't like flex financials or whatever. That's not my point here. But like I I make enough money that I never have to even like I don't think about money. Like money's Mm -hmm. not I want to make more of it because I want to there's more freedom I want to have in life. But like I never have to worry about it. Pretty right. much ever and it's very easy to be like that same kind of you know hey things are going good i can take a day off i can chill but then again you just find that oh wow this is not as fulfilling it's because there's no end destination anywhere there's no just final end state where you get to chill and you're like okay cool life is all good and i have no worries and i'll no they'll creep they'll you'll you'll just feel depressed and I personally know that um, I went through when I was a teenager, like, terrible anxiety, panic attacks and all that. And a lot of it was like unhealthy lifestyle. I was typical teenager, smoking pot all day, you know, drinking all the time, whatever, just because I'm rebelling against everything I wasn't allowed to do. And just this terrible part of life. And a lot of it was, you know, fixing, you know, my actual physiology in the gym. But then another thing was I actually started like making moves to get ahead in life. And I think a large underlying underlying part of that anxiety was was deep subconscious worry and knowing that I'm not doing what I need to do. Knowing that, hey, like you're a loser. Like you're literally being a loser right now. Like I would like, especially if you're a person that knows you have a lot of potential, like waste knowing, even whether you're aware of it or not your subconscious is aware of it but it's aware of everything knowing like wow i'm wasting away my entire life and i'm not doing what i need to do that's that's a really good way to end up anxious and depressed Mm -hmm. so that's like yeah it's and i don't think he's not canceled i actually talk a lot of crap about jordan peterson just Mm -hmm. because he's attacking anons Mm -hmm. um, which it's funny is again why this is a good medium i actually love his work I love, because he even put out a thing on Nietzsche, and I'm a huge Nietzsche fan, mm-hmm. um, his, his own like spin on Nietzsche's work and all that. His work is amazing. He just needs to, uh, he needs to learn how to shut up. <laughs> and, and like, just because some Anons hurt his feelings that like, not all of us are bad, because it's like, okay, Jordan, you're helping men in their lives. What am I doing? Am I a demon troll? Or... <laughs> helping thousands on thousands of people get into the best shape of their life. So it's like, 
Am I an objective bad because I'm anonymous or am I doing an objective net positive for the world? But I digress. I hope he, I don't wish ill fate on anyone. So if he's going through something, I hope he can, he has a great mind and he's put out a lot of great work. So I hope he can kind of figure it out and not tarnish everything he's done over some weird uh, complex he's built up against anonymous people on the internet. Yeah, it's really interesting that he doesn't see the reason why someone would need to be anonymous. You know what happened if I was posting some of my uh, more like hot political takes and then even just the things on obesity and all that, and it was attached to my name and I was still in the military, I would get called in weekly in my commander's office. They'd be like, you can't say this. Like, you can't do this. You can't do this. I would end up getting fined and having, it's called an article 15. You lose half of your month's pay. Oh my and then God. You get put on like extra duty. You have to like go pull weeds and do all that. And then you lose rank. And I don't ever want to be, I wouldn't have wanted to be a private again. I loved being a sergeant. Like that was really fun because like I got to do whatever I wanted. And so like, that's what would happen if I wasn't a non. And I post like, wow, look, look, look at the criminals in the, in the Biden regime or whatever. Like next thing you know, I'm a private again, losing half my month's pay, picking weeds on the weekends. Like, and that's, so that's why to me, that's why I started a non. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. Like in foreign, I'm, I am a special operator at the time I was in special operations. It's like, I don't want my name out there anyway. There's, right. there's a lot of people out there that they would like it a lot more if I was not alive. So like, cool. I don't want to, I'm not like paranoid like that, but still like, I don't attach my name to anything on the internet. Then that's, that's quite literally bringing danger to my family. Quite literally. Yeah. The wrong person gets that information. I'm yeah, that's not good. Completely. And I just, I just wonder why he can't understand that, especially because he's aware of how slated the media is towards one side. The whole culture is to one side. Like you get attacked for it. He gets attacked for his opinions. Like he sees how they have tried to destroy his life so many times. I don't know. It's just interesting how he gives no, no credence to it. Um, just out of curiosity, what other things cause an article 13? So if you just posted anything political that happens to you? Uh -oh. It's, it's, so it's an article 15. It's a okay. uh, UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. It's really anything. If they don't like you enough, anything can lead to an article 15, like, you know, talking back, whatever, because the military is so structured, right? Like, right. I'm a sergeant. I got a lot of privates. If my private one day, I'm like, hey, do this. He's like, no, sergeant. Or like, even if he just like the private consistently doesn't use rank, he doesn't call me sergeant when he talks to me. Because it's really weird. Like, if you talk to someone of a higher rank, like, Okay. If you don't use their rank when you talk to them, like you can get in a lot of trouble. And like officers, if I have them sir all the time, like I can get in trouble. So it could be something as simple as that. Like the private consistently doesn't call me sergeant, which shouldn't surprise anyone. I was not big on that. I would tell my guys like, hey, my name's Ox. Just call me Ox. When mm -hmm. the big wigs are around, call me sergeant. Other than that, I literally don't care. Mm -hmm. It's as small as like, it's usually, it's a habitual thing. So you get a counseling, which is like this sit down talk. It's, it's paperwork. You have to sign like, hey, I won't do that again. Um, and if you get like a counseling, it, those really have no punishment to them. Um, they're just kind of like, hey, it's like a warning if you get pulled over or the Article 15 is the ticket. So it's okay. like, hey, good warning. Hey, here's your warning. You do it a third time. Like hey, there's an Article 15. You can get one for like, you consistently put your hands in your pockets. We didn't like we're in special operations. 
operation. We never cared about that. But in the army, that's a huge thing. Like you can't put your hands in your pockets. So you do that, you get caught doing that like four or five times. Boom, article, it's usually, it's there's a pattern developing. I think that's kind of the criteria. I never gave okay. one. Okay. So there's a pattern developing. Um, but then it can also be as bad as like, and this like literally, like you slept with the commander's wife. Oh God, yeah. And trust me, that's not as uncommon as you think it is. Oh crap. <laughs> so it's it's very it's it's a subjective thing. Like it's it's I never got one. And I like told so many higher ranking people to go fuck themselves. So it's pretty fucking amazing that I never God, I'm cussing again. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to keep it. I didn't cuss in the first few minutes. So you great. YouTube, you're good. Uh, <laughs> I don't care. But yeah, like it's how good are you at your job and how much do people like you? And that's going to be, are you going to, when I got back from um, like, cause I got sent home pretty much to work from home because of COVID. Um, and I was gone for like six months. Like that's why Ox really was possible. Mm -hmm. uh, when I got back, I started getting a counseling for ever. I won't go into specifics, so I can't like boil down to who I am, but for everything, for existing, not wearing my mask in the office. And I was like, none of you are wearing a mask. This is kind of pointless, but like, I never got an article 15, but I definitely got a bunch of counseling. What made you join the military in the first place? Uh, do you want my feel good answer? Or do you want my true answer? Truth. I wanted to do really, really badass things. And there are, even though like the politics and everything that you could get into of the war and all that, um, I just, there was bad guys doing bad things and I wanted to kill those bad guys. Like, that's why I didn't join, like, I wasn't an engineer. I wasn't, you know, whatever. I went special operations infantry. Like, I was like, okay, I want to get out there. Another part of it was like the warrior thing. It's cliche, but it was like, okay, like I want to be a part of the the biggest war culture or the biggest warrior culture in the world. I want to be at the best. I want to be with the best. And then just the skill set. I really wanted to learn the skill set. I wanted to learn how to be dangerous. How can I become the most dangerous person on the planet? Just not out of like an ego thing, just because I think that's a pretty useful skill. Because nowadays it pays dividends. Like I can go to the yesterday, I had to pick up a U-Haul and drive all around the, uh, the wrong neighborhoods. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, cool. I got my Glock. Uh, not really afraid of anything right now. Like no one's going to bother me. And if they do, like that's, that's a Tuesday afternoon and an old life. Um, and just knowing like I can keep my family safe and all that, like that skill set, just knowing like when push comes to shove, I win. Like, if you want to, if you're going to come harm my family or myself, I win. And it's not really like, it's not really a, you would have to get really lucky. And I like that. I like that I, I have this peace of mind because it's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm dangerous, way more dangerous than you. It was at the highest level of this. Um, but yeah, I guess to boil it down, it was bad dudes doing bad things, one of them gone wanted to join the, the greatest warrior culture in the world. And then, yeah, just to develop those skills and just be a bad dude. Even though I'm jaded on the way it ended, it was number one thing I ever did in my life. It took some raw material of my potential and really gave it a, uh, a mold. And it gave it mm -hmm. some direction. And it kind of, you know, from those raw materials actually made 
a um, made a creation. Yeah, makes total sense, like forging steel in the fire. So you would definitely do it again, knowing what you know now, you would still do it again. Yeah, because a lot of people are like, oh, the war, you guys lost Afghanistan, blah, blah. It's like, well, I, I didn't lose that. We didn't lose a single firefight. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't lose we accomplished every mission we ever went on like losing afghanistan like sure like we were never gonna win we knew that we thought it was dumb but we knew that hey there's a mission there's people and a lot of people they don't get it and they're like you fought for the government and like literally everyone's like you fought for israel and all that it's like no i didn't do it it's cliche it's like no i fought for my my brothers like mm-hmm. we were there we we got told hey like it's the price you got to pay like we wanted to be warriors we wanted this profession we wanted these skill sets and to do these things like like i wouldn't have done anything that i felt was like morally wrong like the guys we were going after were bad guys like they they have their little chai boys which you i'll let anyone look up what that is um just like i guess i'm a feminist because i think women should have you know basic human rights and level like equality like they should be able to walk down the street without worrying if their like face shows they get stoned or worrying about if they learn how to read before a certain age they get their parents get killed like yeah i guess i'm a a little bit of a feminist by the strict definition of a feminist but like the the atrocities being committed so it's like okay cool like i don't feel bad about this now if they ask me like hey like you have to operate against anyone that like supported like january 6 or something like that it's like no those are Americans, constitution, all that. Like now I draw a fine line. So it wasn't like indiscriminate. It's like, yeah, let's go do bad stuff. But in that instance, it was like, okay, there's bad dudes. They need to be dealt with. How much control do you have over saying yes and no to missions? Like you just said. Um, none in a sense of like there in that operating environment, none. And it's like, but you wouldn't like, I've never was put in a situation where it's like, I don't want to do this. Okay. If they were asking us to do some bad stuff that I like, I have strict moral principles and they asked me to go against those principles. Like, and it wouldn't just be me, but I say that, but you have to refer back to what I said about the vaccine about guys like, okay, Hey, we don't lose our paychecks, blah, blah. But I really like to think if that line in the sand got drawn, most, almost everyone would also be like, yeah, Hey, we're not doing that. Yeah. It's just something I was never, there was never a situation where I got like told like, no, but like overseas, like I can't be like, eh, you know, I don't like this one. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't, I, I got a bad feeling about it. Like, oh, uh, you know, I'd, I don't want to miss my gym session. So no, <laughs> like, you're going on it, but you just, I never got faced with that moral dilemma. So I can't really answer your question fully. Cause it's like, I never was put in a situation where it's like, okay, this is wrong. We're, I don't want to do this. Half the stuff we did was hostage rescue too, which is like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. This is very noble. This is very worthy. Like, let's, let's go do this. Very black and white so yeah it's black and white it's like this is like this is a good thing everything that i know about what we're doing this is a good thing because Mm -hmm. these are people that are captured because of political differences and they're going to be executed pretty gruesomely like okay let's go save them Mm -hmm. makes a ton of sense what can you tell us about afghanistan how much of it was an egregious screw-up well so I wasn't there when we when we pulled out, but it wasn't, uh, we didn't care. Like a lot of guys, I, I hear all the time, I actually watched like a documentary the other day and like uh, a lot of guys are like, wow, all of our work, like it went to waste. I don't like the way we handled it in the sense of like, but we told them it was going to happen. We we're like mm-hmm. the Afghan, the ANA, the Afghan National Army. We were like, 
the Taliban, they're going to fold. Like they're, they're not going to be able to support it because we left the Taliban alone at the end of it. Like they were, it was like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm pretty sure I am I'm pretty sure it's all declassified now. You don't have to cut this. Um, but like, we weren't even going after them. It wasn't them as ISIS. We, we actually preferred that the Taliban and ISIS fight each other. So we didn't have to. So we, they kind of got to just within limits, just like build up and not be bothered. So it was like, yeah, if we just leave, it's going to create a vacuum and Taliban is going to fill that vacuum. So we weren't surprised at all. I would have done things a lot different. I would have left uh, certain teams back, a strike force, which is pretty much what we were over there, you know, to service and target, you know, people that needed to be targeted. None of us, I mean, none of us were really that idealistic. We weren't naive. We weren't mm -hmm. like, oh, we are these nation builders doing this good thing. Like, I don't even know how much I even necessarily agree with the war, like in general, like mm -hmm. it's just, it was just one of those things that was happening. Um, there's bad guys over there. So it's like, cool, let's Calabunga it is. But like, <laughs> I wasn't emotional about it. I was like, that's embarrassing how it happened. But I was like, within nuance and knowing what I know, it's like, we didn't lose because we never lost. We only lost because we stopped. We just left. He's like, oh, you lost to farmers. It's like, show me, show me a firefight. Show me a battle that we lost because we didn't. Because it wasn't fair. Because <laughs> we have these little things in the sky that shoot missiles and everything. <laughs> and we have these things that go over our eyes that let us see at night. Like, we didn't lose. Like, we we cleaned things up over there. Um, like, it's so much so the guys almost felt invincible. Like, for a lot of guys, seeing a guy get shot for the first time, like their buddies or whatever, was like traumatizing. Like, oh, I didn't even realize this could happen. So, <laughs> you naive little man. I've just been going down a rabbit hole recently with like the invasions in the Middle East, 9-11, CIA funding of Al-Qaeda. Like I've just been down in the rabbit hole lately, Benghazi. It's just really fascinating. And you wonder why we invaded Afghanistan when we knew everybody that did 9-11 came from Saudi Arabia. It's a little bit interesting that why did we invade Iraq for these weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist? So I just wonder from your perspective, do you have any qualms it doesn't bother you that a lot of the intelligence was faulty because you just you were with your brothers you're protecting your brothers it comes down to we're a big country we're, we're an empire of sorts we're a superpower and sometimes there just has to be a means to an end of a superpower sometimes you know like this idea of morality around it's kind of it's it's subjective because it's like now you can argue we spent way too much money and all that, which we did. I don't necessarily, I don't agree with necessarily how we did it, but like, it comes to a point that like, there is, that we were serving a greater interest than just, because you can, in Afghanistan, like what happens if ISIS and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and all that can just operate and we yeah. never go. So for 20 years, they just get to operate there, not being bothered at all. Does another 9-11 happen? Yeah. I don't know, but the chances would have been much higher. Yeah. So it's like there, there was a means to an end there, at least. But like this idea of like nation building and all that, like that's just like, how are you going to get these people that are fundamentally different than we are? Just their religious views and how their, their societal views. How are we going to build a nation modeled off of this United States idea of democracy Nowadays, with like what's going on with like the WEF and in the Biden administration and all that, like 
<laughs> if I'm that Afghan farmer, I'm like, don't bring that here. Yeah. Don't don't bring that here. Are you kidding me? Like the things going on with like certain kids going to certain clubs and certain people reading books in classrooms to kids and all that. I'm like, I'm about to be a father. Like that would that would really irritate me. I was like, don't don't put those views down my kid's throat. Like he's right. impressionable. He's young. Like I I have very different you know, sets of values and, and morals around this. Like, so yeah, like for them nowadays, it's like, yeah, I can see why you wanted to fight back against that. I, I wouldn't under the circumstances, I joined under Trump and I was like, I was like 18 and I'm like, mm -hmm. you know what? This is, we're going to make America great again and all this. Right. Like, so I was proud to be in the army. Nowadays, like under, I even said if Hillary won, I wasn't joining. Mm -hmm. straight, I was like, if she wins, I'm not joining. Um, so it's like, it's complicated. I'm like working through my traumas. <laughs> well, I'm kidding. But um, like you said, I, I wouldn't want to go back and change anything. But if the circumstances were different, it, it, like the top levels like they are now, I wouldn't have joined in the first place. Mm -hmm. I really struggle with it because I completely understand wanting to defend our country. And I think it's one of the most noble things to do and to go kill bad guys. But if you can't trust the government that is sending you you can't trust the security or you can't trust the uh, the intelligence agencies rather you can't trust the government god forbid how can you willingly join now which is a terrifying prospect because all the good guys don't want to join it's like what's it is it even it's not worth it like, yeah. like they want to now just throw us into russia ukraine like exactly. they really want, they like we haven't yet because the implications of what that means like that war, I don't see a good end result if the if NATO goes into Ukraine against Russia. Like that's it's not because I'm a coward. It's because I don't want my family to know what a nuclear winner's like. <laughs> I have pretty good reasons of why I don't want that that to go on. Plus, like everyone I know, if I was still in, I would die. Like you're just, you're probably gonna die. Oh and so it's like for what? Like because what we know, we being civilians, like. If you look at what the NATO's done after the Soviet Union fell, we said, hey, we're not going to, you know, establish alliances and everything with countries on your border. And so former Soviet states. Well, we kind of went back on all those promises. Like we, Russia didn't do it. We did. We're like, hey, let's put a NATO base right here. Hey, let's put a missile defense right next to Russia, which you're like, yeah, that's smart for us. But then, like, if you're Russia, and now, like, your main deterrent against the West is, like, hey, we have nukes, you have nukes. Now you have these Patriot missile defenses up, and it's like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. They just literally cut our balls off. Yeah. Like, we're vulnerable now. I don't want to get into that. You're going to get a thousand reply guys that are going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. But it's like, I don't, I just don't see our business over there. Because, like, it comes down to people and culture is that the government you want the like imposed on your civilians like it gets really sticky the more you want to dive into that rabbit hole but yeah like the intelligence i like fbi cia all dismantle them i like i, I just uh, they don't serve the united states they serve their own interests like yeah. Uh, yeah knowing what i know now especially down those rabbit holes too the the military question definitely is more valid where it's like would you have joined? And it's like, oh man, 
it's just it's tricky because you're like wow like there's a lot of nefarious just bad anti-american things that happen nothing that i ever witnessed personally that i got to like because like we're dod we're we're operating against enemies foreign right like not domestic and all that but now looking back it's like wow like what they're doing like the fbi i mean it's not going to be much longer before me just being you know right wing like to you know own firearms for my own personal protection and for fun that's always something that's never brought up and it's mm-hmm. second amendment oh you don't need an ar to defend yourself blah, blah, blah. it's like yeah but i like shooting and it's a lot of fun <laughs> like, does my fun not matter to you <laughs> is my fun <laughs> not protected <laughs> just you know, being a christian that just wants to be left alone and doesn't bother anyone and all that like it's not much longer before the fbi says you're a terrorist and it's like what do you mean dude I don't leave my house. Yeah, I want to see the FBI just completely dismantled. I do not like the FBI. Who controls Homeland at the time? Okay, cool. Okay, we got the Biden administration. Who do they not like? Okay, who can they politicize into political enemies to gain more power? Oh, I'm on the other end of that stick. Uh, I don't think I like this very much, Chief. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know what to do. The, The double standard in the judicial system is horrifying. And then when you start making a ton of money, how much are you going to get audited? They have every tool to use against you. Yeah, that's exactly what we needed is those tens of thousands more IRS agents. I am so anti-tax. Why do I need to pay taxes when you can pass the 7.1 trillion omnibus and just fund yourselves? Like, I, we're not paying that back in taxes. I wish we had enough tax money to pay that trillion dollars. Like, you can just print the money. Why am I paying, you know, egregious tax? That's why you have to own a business. I can either work a W-2 and get taxed at, you know, 35, whatever percent, or I can own my own business and I can decide at the end of the year, it's like, huh, do I want to pay this egregious tax rate or do I want to buy a bunch of cool stuff in my business? Yeah. <laughs> buy a bunch of cool stuff in my business. Oh, I don't owe that much on taxes now because of that. Oh, cool. I have a bunch of cool stuff and now I owe the government less money. Win-win. So I am so anti-tax. Like a country that started over like per single digit percentage tax increase um, to now be taxed in some places like 40, 50 percent. I'm like, oh, my God. Where, I think how- it's a total scam that I get taxed on my income. So you take 40 percent off the top, 6 percent for Social Security that God knows we'll never get. And then every time I use the little left money that's been left over, I get taxed in every single way. Sales tax, capital gains tax, if I try to invest it, inflation, if I try to save it. Like the amount of value I get to keep from my labor is so low. It's incredible. It comes back to like that idea of freedom. (laughs) When you're giving over 50% of your income to the government, it's like, okay, how free am I? Like you can take all the social issues and all that. It's like taxes. Are you serious? <laughs> you didn't help me at all. You gave me like, and you can be like, well, the country you live in is free and your roads and blah, blah. It's like, do you know how many potholes are in my road? Like, what do you mean? That argument's out the window. Like, oh, my country protects me. It's like, at this point, they make me feel less safe. I have a friend who she, she's a model, so she makes a ton of money and she is an independent contractor. So she's paying a crap ton in taxes. And we play this game like, how did the government help you today? And we're trying to find anything for the incredible taxes she's spending. Like, 
and you have no control over it. Like the idea of being concerned about politics, and I talk about politics a lot just because I like the ideas. I like to think about the theory, but no matter who I vote for, that is not changing. We're not going to fix social security. We're not going to stop taxing us. Like nothing changes. I can't stop them from spending money. Might as well focus on something that's more productive. There was a politician, uh, a congressman going through the, um, what was in the omnibus bill. And it was just like, are you serious? What? <laughs> Millions of dollars for that? What? Like, I don't, I mean, I guess I, instead of complaining about it, I should just wait a few years and run for the Senate or something. So I yeah. can at least, you know, break the bread with them. I said, do we even have a Speaker of the House? Have they even figured that one out yet? No, okay. some, there's like 20 Republicans that refuse to vote for Kevin McCarthy for some unknown reason. They just hate him. and like <laughs> They just want more stuff, more commission assignments, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> like, How do you pronounce his name? Is it Gate? Gats, gate I, I've never, I've only read it. I've never actually heard it spoken. That dude is, I love it. He's chaos right now. <laughs> He's chaos. Do you think that more corrupt people run for office or do you think people run with good intentions and they get there and they are either, they succumb to the temptation of being corrupt or there's just no way around it. The whole process is corrupt. So they just try to do the best they can. So and to kind of draw parallels here, I watched a video yesterday. It was 1991, I believe, and Trump was testifying in Congress about a uh, the 1986 Act and how they restructured uh, interest deferrals mm. on real stuff like that, and how that just drove people out of business. And the subject matter of it didn't really matter, but what was what was interesting was the actual congressman's like rhetoric and the questions he was asking and like the points he was bringing up and it's like oh like this guy's smart like he knows what he's talking about and that led me down this rabbit hole where politicians used to be these accomplished people lawyers business owners doctors even like all this you know with world experience what was aoc's job before <laughs> for politics if you can remind me i think she was a bartender so like okay cool love it your passion all these ideas but it's like the iq of the average congressman senate whatever is like 20 points lower than it used to be so do they go there with good ideas i'm sure some of them do but it's like the world's so specialized that if you're going to go into politics like you devote your life to politics you don't get yeah. to be this kind of polymath jack of all trades master none like you you just you're a politician and that is what you've been trained for that is your specialized knowledge so they get there and all they know is politicking politics i can't even describe it another way they know how to talk to people they know yeah. how to bring up viewpoints they know how to to cater to an audience but like fundamentally it's like what do you really understand like what do you understand about the average day and working life of an american and it's like you're so disconnected you don't know and then I think you get to the machine and then you realize your little naive ideas are impossible. And you're one person going up against hundreds of people and hundreds of those people are just working for political agendas and lobbyists and all that. So then you start to realize like, okay, this is futile. And I think those people get jaded and they just start playing the game. So I wish I had an answer to like, oh yeah, we should totally do this. And this would, this would fix. I don't know. Like, I don't like, I just, I won't. I don't know. I don't know what we should do. Who, who at this point, who looks at 
politics and is like, yep, that's the racket I want to get into. (laughs) It's like like joining the mafia. Only I think the mafia has more merit in a lot of places than politics does. You'll hear stories about like old like mafia run neighborhoods and like the people live in those neighborhoods. Like, oh, what's it like living within the mob? They're like, oh, it's great. Like, it's really (laughs) safe. Like, no one bothers us here. Like, if women like walking down the street, they're like, yeah, like these construction workers, they're heckling us and catcalling us and all that. And then we talk to, you know, some of the maid men and they don't do that anymore. (laughs) And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I I think they do bad things. Don't get me wrong. I do not think they're great people. I totally agree. And just like you look at the government that we have and it just seems irredeemable. Like it seems there's no way we can fix this problem. And you go back and you think about how carefully each part of this government was designed by the the founders. And it makes me so sad. Like there's no way to put this back in the box. So we're just declining. Is it just destined to decline like every other civilization? It's just when you have too much prosperity, too much flourishing, you get comfortable. It's just constant cycle that always happens is there's no way to save this thing. History doesn't always repeat, but it rhymes. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be rhyming. I One thing I'll never do is bet against the American spirit and American people. Mm-hmm. So while our government probably is gonna get something catastrophic happens there, like you just total collapse. I, I won't bet against the people who live in this country because I know a lot of really, 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 really good people. There's a lot of opportunity if you're young in this country for what's what could happen in the future. While I am very pessimistic on the current political system, I'm very optimistic on what will come. It always seems like those that fight for freedom end up winning in, in the short to medium term and then the long term it turns back into this. But at least <laughs> when it comes to the way the universe works, those who are true to the good side of human nature and true to what you could consider is, is good, they always seem to end up winning. The bad guys just, they don't win. Are you scared of China? No. Really? No. That's uplifting. China, like, militaristically, they're, they're well behind us. They have their own internal problems. I'm not really afraid of anybody against America simply because we have the Atlantic and the Pacific acting as natural deterrence. And so if you want to mess with America, logistically, it's a nightmare. Like you've got to get your carriers and your and your aircraft and everything close enough to us. Then you have to somehow get your men into America and all that. So the, on a military, military side, like not really worried. And... China itself has its own issue. They're about to go through a giant population decline too, which will be interesting to see how it plays out. China's just not a very innovative country. They're a country that, oh, hey, that works in America. Hey, some person invented this. Let's uh, private label it in China. Maybe I'm naive and I'm not the most well-versed person in China, but personally, it doesn't- It doesn't keep you up at night. No, it's just nothing keeps me up at night because it's like, (laughs) I have a passport and I have some cash. If I need to, I can just relocate. Like I'd love to stay in, I love where I live. I love my community and all that. But like, if I've got to keep my family safe, yeah, I mean, I'll just disappear. Yeah. And honestly, China's economy is in worse state than ours, arguably. They're printing money like crazy too. So that that does make me feel better. They absolutely rely on our trade. Like we, we built China in a sense of, we outsourced all of our manufacturing and industry over there. So like, it's not something that 
they're independent of us. It's in their best interest that, you know, maybe they can shift our politics and everything, but it's their best interest that the American consumer keeps consuming. Taiwan's interesting, and I definitely don't know enough about that to get into that. But if they invaded Taiwan, that would be very interesting. Not in a good way. Are you scared of anything? Snakes. <laughs> Snakes don't bother me. Spiders do. Spider? I like spiders. Snakes? Did you know India? The country of India? Mm-hmm. Over 60,000 people die a year from snake bites. What? Since, since 2000. 1.2 million people have died in India from snake bites. That's what? terrible. What? Yeah. What oh, kind yeah. of snakes? They've got vi- they've got everything over there. They've got the cobras. They've got vipers. Uh, I think it's like the brown snake or something over there that just kills. Like it bites you. Like that's what scares me because I go hiking a lot. So what happens if I'm deep, deep, and you know, a mountain in Colorado? Mm-hmm. And I get the by a rattlesnake and I've got 35 pounds of gear and close to the top and I'm out, I'm the only one hiking and I've got two, three hours and normal health to get back to my car to call anyone. And I'm sitting there and this snake just bites me and a rattlesnake, even like to the degree, isn't really one you have to work. There's a lot worse snakes out there, but like I'm dead. Okay, new thing to add to my list of anxieties. Okay, I have a question for you that I want to hear your thoughts on. What do you think is the true sign of intelligence? Do you think IQ is the best measure? I think the ability to hold multiple, multiple, multiple perspectives and arguments for single issues. Like how how dynamic can your brain work? How well can you operate in the nuance? Because most like midwits and below are very binary thinkers. They think black and white, this is good, this is bad, blah, 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 where they can't operate in that gray area of like, okay, from this perspective, yeah, this doesn't make sense. But from this perspective, it does make sense. Really think about second, third, fourth order of effects and things like that. I think that's more of a sign that you're intelligent is if you can hold these ideas in your head and not be emotionally tied to them and kind of think through possible outcomes and who it affects and and blah, blah, blah. And I also think self-awareness, self-awareness over everything. Like how aware are you of your own abilities, capabilities, strengths, and weaknesses? Like if you are aware, you can, well, you can actually improve yourself because you can actually be aware of, Hey, I'm not good at this. So you can focus on that. Or you can just be like, Hey, I'm not good at this. I have essential tremors. It's like a genetic thing. My family has it. Our hands shake. So I'm never going to try to be an artist, like, like write things. Like you would look, you wouldn't be able to even know what it is. I'm not going to try to be an artist whenever I can't even draw a straight line. But a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, an engineer. It's like, oh, how good are you at math and drawing up graphs and doing this? Well, like, oh, I'm terrible at it. I'm like, why are you going to be an engineer? Mm. I can't do basic math. I'm going to be an accountant. It's like, brother, what, you, you're literally going to deal with numbers all day. Like, what, what are you talking about? Okay, I can improve this. Okay, I'll improve it. Or, hey, I'm really good at this. I'm going to pursue that. The issue is most people think they're really good at something and they're mediocre at best. Mm. And then they'll hedge all their bets on that they're really good at this. And then it doesn't work out. And they're like, I don't know why it didn't work out. It's like, hey, dude, like, you're not good at it. You thought you were, but you're not good at it. Or no one ever told them that they weren't good at it their whole life. 
And that's why, like, if you're good at something, like, for me, like, I can draw parallels back to myself, is, like, with fitness on multiple levels, like, one, as a bodybuilder, like, people would come up to me and be like, dude, what do you do? Like, holy crap, like, whatever. So it's like, okay, cool, I have the genetic makeup and everything to actually succeed at this as an athlete. And then as a coach, it, it was people being like, hey, like, you're really good at, like, explaining these concepts, you know, a lot, blah, blah. And then even when it comes to, like, content creation and all that like all the time i get like i have no idea how you can pack that much information into a tweet you are such a good writer like and then even Substack being like hey you're the number one ranked writer blah blah like i never assumed hey i'm a good writer i never assumed hey i'm good at you know content creation hey i'm a good bodybuilder i'm a good coach it was other people were like hey i'm a good coach and then i leaned into it i was like oh well maybe i'm a good coach i never assumed like i never just assumed i think the self-awareness piece relies on a lot of confidence too and this is something that bowtie jester helps me out a ton with like if i come to him with an idea he will literally tell me why it's stupid in like 30 seconds or he'll be like did you think about this or what did the internet say like <laughs> you just you gotta test yourself and you can see very clearly how the the market responds to your ideas if you just throw them out there and they don't do well then stop doing it but sometimes you need someone very blunt to be like hello, <laughs> why are you doing this? So I really respect that about him. But I think you have to be a little bit confident to be self-aware. Otherwise you feel like you suck at everything. You'll never be good at anything, but just know you have your strengths and weaknesses. Then you have to be a little bit delusional too. Once you realize you're good at something, delude yourself. I'm the best. Ever. <laughs> like, like you have to, there's like a, there's like this fine line of, okay, self-awareness. And then you kind of check the box of like, okay, yes, I am actually good at this. I have potential. And then just the delusional self-belief that you can do it. Because if you don't have that, nothing ever works the way you think it's going to work. You will give up. Like, you'll just be like, oh, maybe I don't have what it takes. But if you're actually good and then have this delusional self-confidence, you'll probably end up okay. Just because like I can tell with Ox, like there was when it first started out and all that, it grew really fast. So it's not like I'm the best, that's the best example of it. But there were periods where it was like, oh, this is cool. This is a side hustle. Like, yeah, I like where this is going, whatever. And then it just, there's periods where it sucks. And it's like, wow, this sucks a lot. You know, I'm making enough to cover my, my living expenses, but is this something that I can actually do? Can I actually leave the military and do this and blah, blah. And so my scale of this, my time scale is really low. We're talking like maybe a month or two of these like, oh, but then it's like, no, I can do it. Like I totally can do this. I can totally be the best fitness writer on the internet. I can totally do this, like whatever. And it's like, whether that, that was true or not, whether it happened or not, it was like that like self-belief of no, I can do this that pushes you through that like barrier of like, oh, is this actually going to work out? Because I've never had anything that worked out that was like right off the bat was like, okay, this worked and this hit. Like there's always going to be a period where it's like, oh, this sucks. It's not happening as fast as I want. And that's where like the, the confidence comes in. It's like, nope, nope, nope. Trust the process. Trust yourself. Trust that you can adapt and learn well enough that, okay, cool. I figured it out. Okay. Now it works. Wow. But a lot of people stop at that barrier where it's like, oh, will this work? But a lot unfortunately, most people never even get close to that barrier. Mm -hmm. they, the result. they quit because it sucks before because the initial stages suck the most because you have no results and no feedback and you're just doing 
Totally. And you need the, the losses, you need the screw ups to understand when something is working. Like you have to know what it feels like or what it seems like when, okay, that video sucked or like you have to be able to have something to compare it to, to know you're headed in the right direction. And I totally agree with the delusional piece. Like the content that I make podcasts and videos, I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this, to that thing. People are going to be entertained. It's kind of audacious to be honest, especially when I'm making videos when I'm young and I, I haven't read every book in the world. I haven't read every single study and I'm doing a lot of stats, for instance, like it is delusional. It's kind of like narcissistic in a sense yeah, that it's yeah. like, people care about what I'm going to tweet about. People care what I'm going to write about. They care what I have to say. You have to have like a level of like self-importance <laughs> that it's like, yes, of course they want to hear this podcast. Like, like of course, everyone wants to hear that. You have to have that level and the failure piece i failed more businesses than most people even bothered trying well that's not really saying much most people never tried <laughs> but i had failure after failure after failure after failure and people like oh do, do you not get embarrassed by that i was like what do you mean every time i learned so much more and i learned something that's not gonna work like it's a win-win it's like as long as you don't put your whole life savings into something it's like well that didn't work but i learned why it didn't work which mm -hmm. is the self-awareness piece I learned why it didn't work. So I know never to try that again. So I'm closer to having something work because a lot of people are going to need to fail half a dozen times before something sticks. If you want to get, I love the, I saw this the other day, nine out of 10 small businesses fail. So just start 10 and one of them will work. But it's like almost to a degree, like it's a numbers game. Like, yeah, I keep on trying. You also have to know when to quit. It's really important to know when when the horse is dead and stop yeah. being a dead horse. That's why it's it's kind of smart to not work in your passions. Because mm. passionate, you might just delude yourself to the point where you try for 20 years on something and it just never works. That's so true. I make these stupid political shorts where I just edit people like politicians talking together in these really short, stupid clips and they do well. If they stop doing well, I'd be like, whatever. Like, I don't care. I don't want to do this. I am not emotionally tied to this. It's just an opportunity that maybe could be productive but if it stops whatever it's like even with ox i have another like real world business and vice versa the other real world business if one of those just suddenly really declined and i just knew it didn't have the oomph anymore or whatever it would be like i would literally be like okay cool i have something else to go put my time in like i'm not gonna like try to save something that's dying beyond like it's terminally ill it's not coming back so it's like, okay, cool, shift my focus over there. And like, you'd be like, but Ox, like that's your life's work. You love fitness and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I love that. But I also love money. It's funny, like people like follow your passions. It's like, well, I'm passionate about fitness. I do love fitness, but like, I absolutely fucking hate working in it sometimes. <laughs> like, I, like just because you're passionate about it does not mean you're gonna, you, you might be passionate about lifting weights and the ideas behind it. But then when it comes to like producing content, coaching people, and coming up with products and all that, like, I don't care what you're doing. That's just not really fun. Passion's so overrated and it can blind you so bad. If I was going to follow my passions, I don't think I would be writing like uh, philosophy or like, you know, mm. even, even like my spin of politics. Like I don't, it's almost like anti-politics. I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to make it in those spheres. Like that's just not just do stuff you're good at. And if, if you don't, you're not crazy about the subject matter, when you start getting results from it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I love this. The passion is the winning. The passion is the success, not what you're talking about. Do you ever get sick of writing about fitness? 
I feel like you like somehow I'm, I wonder how you keep coming up with stuff because you've covered so much stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but there's still so much more. The hardest part was actually like, not like blowing the load in the beginning and like everything. I covered yeah. all like basic principles, but there's still just so much more. But do I get tired of it? All the time. It's like it's like my life revolves around writing. Mm. And again, some of my happiest moments of my day are when I just completely get in the flow. That makes the whole like, oh my gosh, another article. That makes those feelings go away. So it's like with anything, like I get tired of being on Twitter all the time. How I look at Twitter is that's, I can grow an audience and that's more people that I can like teach fitness to and more people I can help. So then it's like, okay, because ideally like, five, 10 years from now, I will not have any social media. Like there won't be, I might keep the Twitter page and all that. If it's, I get, Bull's been doing this for 10 years. So it'll probably still be around, but like I will log in like twice a day, but I'm very grateful for it though. At the same time, it might irritate me at times, but I'm extremely grateful because one, I do love the topics and I get to help people. And two, it's, it's, paying my bills so i'm yeah. extremely grateful but like anyone that's like i love every moment of what i do is lying <laughs> or they're, they're buddha leveled enlightened well as you said life is suffering so you'll find a way to to dislike it i'm sure and you brought up bull that's why when people talk crap on bowtie bull after everything he's done for everyone in this community it's like goodbye you're done i stopped listening to you you don't have to agree with every single thing he says good for you you have your own opinions but to disparage someone who's just trying to help people get independent it's like come on imagine complaining that someone <laughs> is a millionaire that is far beyond ever needing to work again was like yeah what's the last thing i'm gonna do oh i'm gonna build up a community and help people get rich yeah like I'm gonna give them advice to get rich but i'm gonna give them a platform and help them out and imagine like being bitter about that. Like, oh my gosh, my computer coins didn't do as good. Nothing did good. Nothing did good. We all lost money everywhere. Like, oh yeah, you I, you were wrong on that. It's like, and then people also, they won, they don't read the articles and like a, uh, in, in relation to their actual risk. Like they always talk about like, hey, if you can risk it, do this. If not, most people are taking their $10,000 like all in on this. And they're like, like, no, your focus should be building a side hustle. That's literally what they told you to do. And then they also are like, they literally talk about like, they, they're on like five-year horizons for investments. Mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, I had a bad year. And it's like, you, we don't even know if the advice was good or, or bad because it hasn't even played out yet. Yeah. Like if you needed to make it all in one year, like you weren't doing this right in the first, but you're a trader. Like, oh, and less than a year. Well, cool. That was, you weren't even an investor by definition because those are short-term capital gains. So also have fun paying the taxes on those. That's, that's my biggest beef is people can't, they, they're midwits and they can't understand the nuance of everything happening. Because if you actually just apply their advice, regardless of what any stock or computer coin or anything did, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Just follow the base advice. So follow the base advice first before now you're worrying about, okay, where do I, because like literally, what are you going to do even with $50,000 invested? You need a 10X, like in the traditional markets, like that's rare. Computer coins, oh, we had an opportunity where that was more common, but it's like, 
I know for a fact in one of my businesses, $50,000 initial investment, make the profit back, reinvest the profit and repeat that process five times is now 350,000. You turn up that 50,000 into $350,000. Right. That's a seven X. Yeah. That happened in less than a year. And you had way more control over that. Oh, now you have a cash flow producing asset. Like that now, now when you're doing $100,000 a month in profits, I'm not doing that yet. So not for that business. But once you're there now, okay, now start worrying where you put your money because you actually have money to worry about where to put it. Mm -hmm. Instead of, oh, I put away $1,000 a month for my job. What do I do with it? Bro, start a business because you're only putting away $1,000 a month. Yeah. Totally. And I'm kind of like the crypto nerd for my friends because I wrote my thesis on it. They know I'm like knowledgeable about it. And they ask me like, oh, Connor, should I be like putting money in right now? Like, is this a good time to buy? I'm like, I have no idea what the price is. Like, I haven't looked in months. I still believe in Bitcoin. I am not interested. Sorry. Yeah. I don't check prices. Like, yeah, literally. It's like whatever. I like scrolled to my back page on my phone and I opened up trading view and I saw it and I was like, well, I don't even know what to compare this to. Like, <laughs> is it up or down I, in the last month? Like, I could have. The only time is if I knew it was hot. And that's where I'd look at it more frequently to de risk, where it's like, okay, cool. Cause I don't have that, you know, few million dollars in safe assets right now, like just plugged away in the SP or whatever, where it's like, that's your financial independence. It's less volatile. You can kind of draw money from that. You know, you can earn your dividends now. <laughs> ideal so it's like i don't even care why would i even spend an hour focusing on that when it's like that's an hour away from business and once you get to the level of business on that that's that's hundreds of dollars that hour that's hundreds of dollars of income you could have made yeah but and see and then people don't i mean take it from me i'm doing very well focus on building your business like that is where your money is going to come and it's way less stressful than being a, you control your business you can't control your customers but you control your business i can't control the price of ethereum i can't control the price of bitcoin that relies on millions of other people and billions of dollars i don't have control over so instead control what you can focus on and literally be willing to drive yourself insane working mm -hmm. you've got the job drive yourself insane because you don't ever stop working and then whenever you start getting significant, you know, 10,000, 20,000 a month cash flows, now you can be like, okay, cool. What am I going to do with this? Where am I going to put it? And even then, like right now for me in this situation, it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to do practical things first. Okay, cool. cool. What, what necessities do I need? Where can I get an immediate return on my investment? Okay, cool. I'll buy a cow of meat. Okay, cool. Now mm -hmm. my price just went down. 60%. Okay, cool. That was awesome. All right. Where else? Okay. Well, house. Okay, cool. I'll pay off a house. That way my biggest fixed income or my biggest fixed expense. Okay. That's, and I'm a disabled veteran, so I don't pay property tax. So it's like, okay, cool. that just went, now I'm living on like people want to cut costs. We'll cut your biggest cost now. Okay, cool. Now your savings rate sitting there 80, 90%. Now you can start worrying about where to put money instead of like people just get so neurotic about it. I get it if you're older and you're, you're at that point, you've worked 20, 30 years and you're at the point where it's like, okay, cool. I want to stop doing this as much. I don't want to work this job. 
okay, now it matters maybe a little bit more, but ideally you also have more money. But like, why anyone under 30? And I'm not even gonna give like age ranges here because I'm, I'm a young brat. But like, why, especially people my age, 25 and younger, why you're not spending every second developing business and developing cash flow blows my mind. But I can also give that advice as someone that used to do that. I used to be like, okay, cool. I have $15,000. What's the right portfolio allocation? And, and worrying about that. It's like, why, why are you worried about that? That is nothing. That is peanuts. I could wipe you out with one medical bill. Mm -hmm. Boom. Car breaks down, wiped it out right there. So, so focus on actually getting to a point where, okay, cool. $10,000 medical bill comes. You're like, oh, cool. Half my monthly income. I'll be okay. I recover. Yeah. That's people just, they, they, they miss the forest for the trees. Well, with that, Ox, I think I'll let you go because I think I stole enough of your morning. But thank you so much for coming on. Again, for the people that live under a rock, where could they possibly find some of your content? Just go to the Substack. Don't even go to my Twitter. Because <laughs> you can go to my Twitter and you're going to ask me questions. And then I'm just going to tell you to go to my Substack. Bowtiedox.substack.com. Read the, like, I don't even tell people to go pay. I'm not even like, don't even pay. Read the free articles. And you're going to get the basis of all you need to know. Then when you want to refine it, you want to learn some of the more advanced intermediate stuff, then go to the paid Substack if you want to, but just go to the Substack, read it. All your base questions are going to be answered. Then subscribe if you want to. Now, okay, if I haven't answered something on Substack, then go to at Bowtiedox on Twitter. And now you can ask me your question and it's going to be a good question. Instead of answering, how much cardio should I do? <laughs> How many calories should I eat? 10,000. Right. <laughs> that is where you can find me. All righty. Thank you so much, Ox. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is really, really, really fun. Thank you so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Common Sense. If you liked the conversation, please consider hitting that follow button on Spotify. Oh, and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same. And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups you dislike. You have a great day now.